0: But what we do need to know and what we do need to grapple with is that we as white settlers have benefited in various ways from a system that was put in place by other people for our benefit.
1: Forgotten Corner Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash ForgottenCornerPod, or visit our website, ForgottenCornerPod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. We are proud members of the Harbinger Media Network. You can check out other podcasts like ours by visiting the link that we will share in the show notes. I am Scott Schmidt, your co-host, alongside Jeremy Appel, the very attired co-host. How are you today?
2: Hi, um, I'm good. I'm tired. Um, didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Um, had a, a prior obligation uh, late at night. And so I only got a few hours sleep
1: and did you wait until that time of day to like, you just stayed up till three 15 and then, cause you could have just gone to bed for a couple hours.
2: I could have, but I didn't, my sleeping pattern is really like erratic these days. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's get on with the show.
1: Okay, Let's start the show. Jesus, Roberta Lexier, Dr. back like that was a very How are you today?
0: Um I'm I'm okay. I I'm a little burnt out and a little tired also. Um I also as we're sitting here at the beginning of this would like to take an opportunity to apologize to my mother who I know listens to this podcast for not emailing her back at all. I'm so burnt out. So, um wow. just using the podcast as a way to love you mom
1: <laughs> you're a shitty person that's where that's I'm what at, you're right? trying you wanted to use part of the show to announce that you're just a shitty daughter
0: a shitty daughter yes i email your mother out. back i'm sorry just wanted
1: record to show
0: you did email her back
1: yeah i email your mother <laughs> i email, i i wish you would te- like if she's listening i think she has my cell phone she should text me more instead of emailing me because then i'd like she seriously
0: texted me no no she emailed me to tell me that she texted me but the text never (laughs) went through and so she emailed me again the thing she texted me originally so you're not getting a text from maybe she
1: emails because she doesn't want you to reply right away she's like I don't want to get in a conversation so I'm just going to say what I want to say and hit send that's actually not a bad idea I'm going to start emailing people I don't want to like hear back from
0: right away yeah exactly
1: so we recorded this a couple of weeks ago but it is what it is i don't think that the subject that we're going to touch on today is ever going to really dissipate if unless we let it again um and i don't think we're specifically maybe going to focus entirely on the actual event which was the discovery of the remains of 215 indigenous children at the uh On the grounds of the Kamloops reservation. But but,
2: by the time you're listening to this, there are probably going to be more uncovered. Well, this is the thing, like the
1: the the latching on to the 215 number, I thought was interesting from the beginning because I don't think that that is necessarily like an automatic number that we know for sure. The other thing, tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and we talked about this uh, last week or a couple weeks ago when we had David Moskrop on, and I was saying like, you just kind of feel like everybody's you know really paying attention to this right now it's oh the Kamloops 215 and all this and it's like then you see a story and you're like well two years ago there was a story about 15 kids found in Saskatchewan right at uh, the I wouldn't even try to want to or want to try to pronounce the name of it but there was a residential school in east central Saskatchewan and it didn't even close until 1997 so while I was like learning whitewashed bullshit about like the history of of how everything went down between settlers and indigenous people and while i was not at all learning about residential schools and thinking like and and living in a place like regina, So like i'm going to back that i like grew up in regina robert grew up in regina there's a um significant population of indigenous people and and I, like our environment was just racial. Like it was racist. Like the one that we grew up in, just the way people talked, uh, the things like that you, the, the just the way not to sit, not, not outing, you know, parents or, or teachers or anything like that. It was just the environment was like that. It, it just, it was, and it was, uh, um, looking back like a very problematic way to, to grow up. And, uh, while we were learning that things like, uh, well, we, I didn't steal their land. This was a big thing that you heard growing up, right? Like I had nothing to do with it, or whatever. Or they have every opportunity to be blah 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 blah.
2: They don't pay taxes, right? This Aren't was still lucky? right?
1: And and free schooling and th- some, all these things that we were like fil- getting our heads filled with growing up. While that was happening, and we're talking about how we weren't part of this history, there was still a r- residential school open in our home province where children were buried under and we're talking about the 215 two years later and that's great and i hope that we never shut up about this but that's my that's the part that really just fucking flabbergasted me to hold that all of this because i had to have seen that story two years ago i sit at a news desk So I'm among the people that just glossed over that two years ago. So it wasn't enough people, I guess, like enough dead kids to like become uh, a national story.
2: uh, How many kids was it? Because I it
1: was it was at the time that that story came out it was anywhere they weren't sure if it was 10 or 50 it was somewhere between 10 and 15 but the story again at that time it was a cbc story which make make it possible that i didn't see it because we're canadian press but um the fact is is that that story like this one said there could be more like this was a, a an at least kind of thing and so it just made me realize that like because of the way that, like the way I was brought up, the environment that I brought, up, I'm not making excuses. I have a lot to like look back on and, and learn. That's the point of this is that like, you have to recognize that the environments that most of a lot of us white kids on the prairies, especially grew up in taught us some very piss poor things about uh, indigenous people and gave us a really piss poor uh, viewpoint into how history, it was what it was, and that these this uh, these atrocities were going on while I was alive, let alone fucking a hundred years ago, which was the thing. Oh, I wasn't the power, that's a hundred years ago. So I'm gonna get out of the way and let the historian talk a little bit, but that's kind of the topic of what we want to talk about today, is that like Canada's history is built on this bad shit that we that we are are finding out about. And these are the things that if we don't fucking start owning this shit and start talking about it. Uh, We're going to be generations before we get to a place where we're supposed to go. So Roberta go. (laughs)
0: Go <laughs> on that, just talk. Um, well, I think, you know, there's so many things things to say here, but what I want to start with is that I think it's a responsibility that we as white settlers have in this country to talk about and address these issues. I think it's, I mean, we could easily have said, you know, this isn't really our place to talk about this. We should leave space for Indigenous peoples to, to control this conversation, which I think is incredibly important um, that Indigenous peoples have the space to talk about their experiences and to, to flesh this out. But I also think that there's a responsibility that we have um, to address these issues and to confront our own, um, our own upbringing, our own education and, and realize how little we actually know about what happened in this country. Because you know, as Scott said, we, we learn this as if it's ancient history um, and it's not, but we also learn that history completely wrong. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to uh, maybe I'll do a, a professorial sort of thing and, and throw out a question to you guys and ask first off, um, you know, what did you think, so how were you educated about Indigenous people through the high school system, um, How what did Canada look like at the time Canada was created, according to the education that you got, um, Jeremy, I know you were educated in the big metropolis of Toronto, a bit later than us, so maybe you got yeah, slightly different. But well, I'm, I'm intrigued about. Well,
2: this. Well, I, I was educated at a, a private Jewish day school, so what we were, so I was taught that I was indigenous to uh, the Middle East. Uh, in in terms of residential schools, I don't remember when I learned about them. I mean, obviously they taught us something because there was like. Like sort of, we had our, like, Judaic studies classes and then our normal classes, and so they must have taught us something in our normal classes. I don't remember, but I remember growing up, I always thought the Indigenous um, history material was just boring, and, I, you know, I didn't care um, until I got much older and sort of more exposed to different perspectives and and i don't quite remember when that is i also switched to public school midway through grade 11 so i think there may have been some getting lost in that so i i mean basically i'm i'm not the best person that ask about that because i don't nope. really remember but... well you
1: kind of are a good person to ask that's the point she's making yeah that, fair like enough. i don't think i don't think white settlers are learning very much about this at all and and i went what 13, well yeah
2: and if years, you see the uh new alberta curriculum they won't right. be learning anything but i mean it. at
1: least they're ta- at least there's some point in there and they're yeah. t- like when we were we were just talking about how like in 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 regina uh, there was a lot of, just a lot of the, the talk from white people was always like, well, that was a hundred years ago and blah, blah. I, And now that I'm sitting here thinking about what I learned in school, it really, we really were taught just the ancient history of it all. Like everything that we were taught in school was a hundred years ago. Or, or like I, Roberta, when was Louis Riel and, and and that guy? Because that was like the kind of thing that we learned about. and the And when you learned about it, it was like, the wild west ago right like that's how the mindset was taught to you like everything we were ever taught in school growing up was like if you were taught about a problem or something that it's a resolved issue like yeah women at one point didn't vote but they can now and everything's fine so since 1920 they've been equal right that's the kind of way you you learned in high school am i on right roberta
0: yeah. I mean, absolutely. So I guess we should say first off that, you know, high school social studies slash history is not the kind of history I think we should be teaching kids in just a, a general sense of, you know, it's often names and dates and kind of boring history in that sense, instead of what I do of history, which is understanding large um, systemic changes and big movements, and you don't need to memorize dates and all of that kind of stuff, but also that it's all set up as kind of this, this ancient problem and that there's this, this real narrative of progress, that we've just been on this constant stream of progress, you know, starting in the, you know, ancient days, um, moving forward um, to today where everything is great and we live in a great country. And that was really the the narrative I think we got in high school and before that is that Canada is a great place. Um, it has a good role to play internationally. And I bought it. I mean, I was, I would say I was a Canadian patriot. i love this country and uh, you know there's lots of things to appreciate about living here there's many places I wouldn't want to live but I think we've also received such a false history that we don't even understand what this place is and so I mean the reason I asked you what you learned about indigenous people is that you probably learned nothing about indigenous people Um, or at least if you did it was that one Canada was empty land when Europeans arrived here you know Jacques Cartier gets here sees a couple indigenous people, but that's kind of it. There's not really anybody living here. Two, that, you know, the Indigenous people were, quote, savages who had no civilization, no advanced um, technologies of any sort, no kind of worldviews that had made any sense. Um, And, you know, three, there were some uprisings. Louis Riel, you mentioned in um,
1: 1885. Which, by the way, was, yeah, 1885. 1885
0: (laughs) in Regina, which is why we learned about it. You know, um, that's where the final trial took place. And we'd go watch, like, reenact. Some, yeah, reenactments of the trial of Louis Riel. We got to and watch And then they that. hung
1: him and like They'd hang him I like you that get that to play the Mantua. jury.
0: No, uh so the second rebellion is in Saskatchewan Uh-oh. um and at Duck Lake and so he's actually killed in Regina. Um and so like we would Kinda go like to che these kind of like Che Guevara Um, and so we would go to these like reenactments of Louis Riel's trial we could be jurors in this trial and it's like this whole thing so we'd learn maybe those three things and then we'd learn where Indigenous peoples are right now which is you know it's not bad they get lots of government support Um, the government has these treaties that they've done Um, you know it's fine is basically what we got
1: we made a nice deal with them afterward
0: we made a great deal. We, we came over here and we said, we'll trade you all this stuff in perpetuity for this land. Easy, nice trade, right? Like this sounds good. And the problem is not one of those things is true. None of them. The first is that Canada, which is, we, I mean, it's even problematic to talk about it as Canada because that's a very modern concept, but it wasn't empty. There were lots of people living in this territory when the Europeans arrived in the 1500s. Um, it's estimated that there were more people living in the Western Hemisphere than in Europe at the time Columbus set sail. Millions of people inhabited this territory. But what happens if you want to Expand your colonial empire and you get to somewhere and there's already people living there, that might be kind of a problem. And so you have two options. One is to say they're not actually human. And that's what people did to the people throughout Africa, turning them into slaves and into property, also indigenous peoples elsewhere. But basically say, okay, they're not human, they don't deserve any rights. So that's fine. We can just go in and take them and their land. Or we say they just didn't exist at all. We just say, look, this is an empty land. And they literally referred to this as the empty land, right? It was like, there's nobody here. We can just have all this wonderful stuff that's
1: around. So good thing we did both is what you're saying. Like, this is what we have a nice mixture of both of those ways to handle that. 100%
0: Canada did, or what became Canada, did a really good job of both of those things, of dehumanizing people and saying they're only property, they have no value as human beings, and secondly, saying they don't exist at all. And then the fact that they actually did exist, but we were saying they didn't exist, meant we actually had to make them not exist. So that meant actually killing a lot of people. And there was a massive genocide that happened in those early years. It's still ongoing. We can have conversation about that. But it required the argument that Canada was a place we could just come and settle required all of these steps, dehumanizing people, arguing it's empty. And then when you discover it's not empty, making it empty, somehow getting people off the land. And I think that's in a really important way to understand the early beginnings here that none of those things at the core of of the the original settlement of this land by europeans are actually real they're all a lie and they all led to the massacre of of millions of people
1: i've just as i'm listening to you talk i i tried i'm trying to go through conversations that i have with people and other settlers that you know and uh it's just the way that we you know like I remember having this feeling or this opinion and I don't know where I got it, but that like Canada, yeah, Canada stole land, but we didn't do it. We were nicer about it than the Americans, like the Americans slaughtered people. And we didn't really do that. And this was the way that like, and I I apologize for where that opinion got from. That's why I say like, you are a product of your environment and like reject. Like, I don't, I've, it would be ridiculous for me to sit here and say that I grew up a white kid in, in middle-class prairies, that I didn't grow up around racism or have some opinions that were racist myself without even knowing that they were, right? And so, like, you sit back now and you think about some of the things and the way people talk, like, it just of course, that's how like you, you went away thinking about that stuff, but I, all of these justifications that existed, like, well, it was a hundred years ago, or I, my, I, I didn't steal their land or, or that we didn't even there. What do you mean? We didn't, at least we didn't kill them. Right. Like the, the lies and the, and the nonsense that, that exists. And so like, we're sitting here in 2021 and we're talking about like, when, what grade we sh- we should start teaching about residential schools and like that's a that we, we need to start that as early as possible but like we're not that far removed from not talking about it at all which is well, a scary yeah, thing to think
2: yeah i think that's an important point to um emphasize that it's such a, it's such a big part of like Canadian national identity that we're this like kinder, gentler version of the States. I mean, just, you know, and, and this is sort of perpetuated by like American liberals, like Michael Moore and, you know, others um, that, you know, it, but, but also just this image of, you know, like Dudley do like the, the kind, friendly, Mountie who, you know, uh, wears that hat and the funny red outfit and rides on horses and totally whitewashes the reality that the RCMP were created as a genocidal force to protect white settlers while they expanded our, our frontier. Um, we just didn't call it that. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is big part of the problem and a big reason. I think we have such backlash against discussions of these, these real problematic moments in Canadian history is that Canadians like to pretend that we are some sort of higher moral um, force in the, in the world. I mean, we talk about it all the time on the global scale. You know, we're the middle power peacekeepers. That's how we define ourselves. Um, and then in this historical sense, we we pretend that we had a, a much kinder, gentler kind of colonialism. And in some cases, maybe that's true. I mean, we didn't have, as Jeremy mentioned, the Trail of tears years where, you know, hundreds of thousands of Indigenous people were um, forced across the entire continent and died along the way. Um, But we had this exact same policies and principles at play in in trying to establish a country on territory that was already occupied by other people. And so I think we have to think about these in really important ways. Um, For one thing, you know, uh, the treaty system was entirely set up as a way to clear Indigenous peoples off the land to make it available for resource development and settlement. And so the idea, I mean, there's so much we could talk about with the treaty negotiation system, that there was misunderstandings, um, there's entire worldview misunderstandings at the core of these these issues. But anybody whose family came and settled on the prairies, for instance, has to understand that that land that you lived on, that those sections of land that you received, your family received for $10 back in, you know, 1910 or 1920, that was land originally occupied by Indigenous people who were forced off of it by treaties to start with, and then, as Jeremy said, by the Northwest Mounted Police that become the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and we have this image of the RCMP, as Jeremy said, you know, in this red surge, our, you know, on horseback with the fancy hat, it's like the whole thing, it's like our big image in the world is this nice, kind cop, but those nice, kind cops were created to suppress Indigenous rebellions, the Riel Rebellion to start with. and to keep indigenous peoples off land being settled by um, Europeans coming in. So that entire institution, the whole point of it was to try and keep this territory safe for settlers to to take over. Um, And you know, Canada has an interesting uh, image problem in the sense that we claim we're this big, um, you know, moral force in the world. Um, But around the globe, people have copied our, uh, uh, our, practices and our policies in trying to suppress indigenous and minority groups in their own countries. So for instance, in South Africa during the apartheid regime, um, much of apartheid was said to be based on the Canadian residential school system and the um, Indian Act. Um, They got a lot of inspiration from our system. Um, Similarly, the current uh, apartheid system in uh, Israel um, is based largely on Canada's uh, apartheid system that we developed um so you they know, have we, um
2: they have canada park in israel which i'm fairly certain is built on uh the ruins of a palestinian village
0: absolutely it's you know yeah. we are a, a really good example good this is in quotation marks of a a successful again in quotation marks colonial system where we developed a widespread set of policies and practices and systems to be able to suppress and eliminate an indigenous population and instead of actually sending good moral values and peacekeeping and all these great values that we say we have around the world in fact what we've sent around the world is a really good system of suppression and apartheid Um, and so i think canadians have to really address that history and really think about who it is that we are and who it is that we say we are, and that it's gonna be difficult. It hurts when you learn those things. You know, when the first time I learned about residential schools, I felt tremendous guilt. Like we all feel that, or you should feel that when you learn about these things. But that doesn't mean we can just pretend that it didn't exist and that it's not still happening. We have to do something about it. And so we have to have these tough conversations. And part of that is saying Canada isn't what you think it is. It's not this great moral force in the world that's out creating great change. Um, It's doing a lot of bad things internally and externally. And I think we need to be conscious of that.
1: I think pe- people so often draw the line at personal guilt, right? That's where they have this. That's where the conversation kind of gets stopped sometimes. Cause you're like, well, fuck, I didn't do, I didn't do anything. It's like, listen, man, no one's telling you that you can't be thankful for the fact that you were born into a country where like, you have it pretty good, like you got a pretty good yeah, life. Like you a, have a G7 first-
2: country. Like- yeah.
1: You got a first world fucking life, man. One of, top, top seven in the, in the world. You're you, you, you scored the lottery there. Like there's, you don't have to apologize for that in the sense that you you didn't your parent like you're not you didn't tell your parents to have sex in whatever province you were born in. That's not what anyone is saying. But like to understand like what you've been built on. You're part of something now that was built that way, and so when we talk about feeling guilty for that, like you don't have to feel like the same when you 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 know you backed over your toddler or whatever kind of guilt. You just people that happens roberta what
0: that was an extreme example backing over your toddler is this well, i'm thing saying like happens? you're gonna you
1: know what i mean like that's the kind of thing you're never gonna like you did that i'm saying as all right oh, fair 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 there's a difference wait what there's a different oh no roberta, roberta did, do she you she have something over, to no she backed over no. me once so we should talk about that one
2: time. were you a toddler
1: no yeah. no absolutely not i was like a I act like a toddler sometimes, though. When I was did. like 17.
2: Yeah, you still do.
1: Over me. Anyway,
0: point I being think the is- guilt thing is an important yes. thing, though. It's that, you know, you're, you make a really important point, which is, yes, I personally did not do any of these things. I did not personally set up residential schools. I did not personally perpetuate residential schools. I did not bury anybody in a mass grave. There is nothing I should feel guilty about that for. But what we do need to know and what we do need to grapple with is that we as white settlers have benefited in various ways from a system that was put in place by other people for our benefit. It's intended to benefit us. It still does benefit us. And we need to grapple with what that means. Now, in some cases, that might mean actually giving land back. That's a big movement that's happening right now. The land back movement. Yeah, yeah, right.
2: Roberta, uh, can you tell us, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think it is important because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and misconceptions of what land back is, um, including among people like me who, you know, generally are generally supportive, but don't really know what they're supporting. So can you tell us in our listeners what land back is and then, You can continue
0: Sure, absolutely. I mean, so Land Back is a big movement that's uh, happening around the world, really, but um, is very large in Canada, North America. Um, I encourage everybody to go search Land Back 1492, which is kind of the big, um, uh, I guess, umbrella group uh, out of uh, Quebec or what's currently called Quebec. Um, And basically the argument of Land Back is that um, Indigenous people's land was stolen um, and that that land should be returned to indigenous people. Now, most indigenous peoples would understand and um, don't think that this means that we're all just going to get booted out of our houses like we're not nobody's coming to your house to take it back. That's not what they mean by land back. Um, Don't worry about that part. Um, I mean, in some cases, maybe that is what should happen I, I actually think it could go a lot farther than it's going but that's a whole other conversation. But generally what Land Back is referring to is giving indigenous peoples um, control back over the resources on their land. That they already have control over, but also extending the land that Indigenous peoples have to include much more of the um, kind of unoccupied Crown lands and other lands that are are were granted to the CPR, for instance, when Canada was built. Um, a lot of the kind of empty quote uh, lands that are are kind of used for resource development and uh, mining and uh, lumber and all the kinds of um, big open space land chunks that we have in this country for resource development and so the basic idea is that we try and give back as much land as possible um, to try and recuperate um and make up for the land that was stolen Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we all are getting booted out of our houses that were on indigenous land
1: but but it might mean not extracting resources from that specific land anymore right like it might it it might not mean you have to move out of whatever urban center you live in but it it, it's certainly going to mean that like we're done exploiting the shit out of that part of that land right
0: right absolutely Yeah, I mean, so part of it is like, so in urban centers where this happens, um, mostly it's it, it turns into um, ways of trying to control that region in much more sustainable and, um, and sort of culturally driven, driven ways. So we've seen this happen um, in BC, for instance, where with um, so many, um, there were no treaties signed in British Columbia. And so all of that land um, was unceded territory. And so most of our land claims Um, complaints or or trials that are going through the system are in BC because the land was never actually given up and so part of the settlement is giving some of that land back and we've seen some uh, some areas for instance around that so Tawasin in Vancouver for instance was returned many of you may have taken the ferry from there to the island Um, it was returned to Indigenous control Um, what that basically means is that there's an Indigenous kind of city council sort of concept it's um, using Indigenous governance models um, to determine the, the the ways of development within that region. So the, in urban areas, it looks a little bit different, but the basic idea is that we're acknowledging that we stole land and that we should give back as much of it and the resources on that land as possible to, to make up for what we took away.
1: Maybe we should talk about the sol- like some solutions, because I obviously like Education curriculum is a big deal and something that uh, that we can and absolutely should properly construct, um, but. Are we ever like can can we ever count on Canada getting to a place where they really teach in schools? Hey, we were pieces of shit, you know. So like, wh- is there a compromise there that's that's at least fricking respectable? And uh, outside of curriculum, is there anything else that we can sort of do to, um, you know, better like un unwhitewash, dirty up our history again, and like fucking tell people the truth.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 real solution to me is Canada and Canadians and everybody who. Uh, Considers themselves part of this territory, um, really grappling with the difficult history that we live in. I uh, that we live with. I don't. I don't really see why we need to have a, a clean past to appreciate who we are and and be a good country going forward. Um, our patriotism doesn't need to be based on the idea that we were. A wonderful ethical moral force in the world it can easily be based on something totally different which is that we were assholes we did some really terrible things indigenous peoples are one but we could talk about so many others um, around other racialized groups but also many many others around the world and in canada you're muted
1: how did we build that railroad again
0: well exactly like we could have a whole episode about how We brought in Chinese uh, immigrants to build a railroad, let lots of them die, and then basically told them they couldn't bring their families and charge them a fortune. So, you know, we have a lot of bad in our history. We are a colonial state, Uh, you know, Europeans came here and said, we're gonna take this place and we're gonna do what we want with it. And that's a problem. And so the first step I think is to say, yeah, we did some really bad things. And to acknowledge that honestly, not just in some sort of like, we're gonna lower a flag For a day or two, or, you know, we're going to have a moment of silence or, or, or put out an apology, but actually acknowledging what that means to have done those things in the past.
1: Is there a way that Canada, and I'm going to ask you guys, this may be the perfect people to ask, is there a way that Canada can kind of take a page out of Germany's book in a sense? Because I believe you would agree with me too, that they've done a lot better job as a country of, of owning their shit. in in the past 70 years than, than Canada has. Like, they don't sweep Hitler under the rug in Germany, right? They kind of wear that badge of, like, and they don't forget it. And it, they and also
2: it, don't build statues uh, commemorating him, which, uh, you know, according to some people, I mean, how how did they learn about that
1: dark How do we even know who he without is without
2: statues? Yeah. Haven't we
0: all forgotten who Hitler is? There's no statues to him. I know. That's also another episode we could do all about statues. And you should have my friend on to do that, Sean Carlton. Read all oh, his stuff. You it's did an stuff.
2: advantage episode on that, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. That yeah, was good. Um, and like, yeah. So, Germany has lots of problems and lots of issues. I don't want to pretend it's all great. In fact, uh, there you have, uh, you know, they just discovered massive neo-Nazi regimes within their police force, which is not surprising. Again, these are forces used for those purposes. Um, but I think they do show that you can own your history and move on that, you know, we don't, like I said, we don't have to base this country on this idea that we were all so great. Why don't we base it on that? We did some really shitty things and we learned from it and we're trying to be better. That to me actually sounds like a really good patriotism of, yeah, we were kind of dicks, but we're into this self healing and self betterment um, as a nation. And we're going to move forward with something. And And so I think, you know, for me, the solution is first education and really, really acknowledging and grappling with what it means to have done these things in the past, to really acknowledge them. But I do also think that there are major structural changes that we can make that would really address a lot of these problems. The first is partly an ideological change, which is to understand indigenous peoples as sovereign nations and to treat them as sovereign nations rather than as internal um, kind of municipal government level of of peoples. And so to understand that we're having a relationship with Indigenous peoples, like we're having a relationship with the United States or with Japan or whoever, they are sovereign nations. Now it's complex because there's so many different groups who have all sorts of different histories and experiences with colonialism and cultural backgrounds, but they are sovereign peoples and we need to treat them that way. And that means Dealing with the Indian Act, Um, it means dealing with reserves and with uh, crown lands that have been been taken and dealing with some of the land back issues. It means making sure that services are available on those reserves. Um, You know, it's a horrifying reality that um, so many reserves in this country don't have clean drinking water. Um, You know, Canadians should be horrified by that. Imagine if, you know, Medicine Hat didn't have clean drinking water. People. It wouldn't last very many
1: seconds. It it wouldn't last very many seconds. And And yet we
0: have election after election after election where we promise to bring clean drinking water. We promise, we promise. And yet here we are decades later, some of these reserves still don't have drinking water.
1: This is not how we should live. Right. Singh made a good point about that a year ago or so, a couple of years ago, talking about that. Like, how long would this be a fucking problem if it was downtown Vancouverites without drinking water? We cannot accept this within our country. Wouldn't last right. a week. I mean, we, we lose power for an hour and we're like fucking city, like fix it. We, we do not give to indigenous people, what we demand from our own selves. Like that's pretty embarrassing.
2: I don't know about jurisdiction there though.
0: <laughs> oh, God, the <laughs> jurisdiction problem. Yeah,
2: Jagmeet Singh just doesn't understand jurisdiction.
0: Apparently not. And yeah. then this is where we get <laughs> into like it, right? Because we just then start picking and nitpicking on stupid bullshit like jurisdiction. Who cares? There's communities in this country where people can't drink the water coming out of their taps. That's unacceptable Next for that. <laughs> a, a, an industrialized nation, one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And we have thousands of people who can't drink the water out of their taps. Like, this is just not how we should exist it's in the and constitution we have to do something yeah it's in the constitution
2: i love how all these liberals like turn into ron paul when people expect the government to do stuff
0: jurisdiction
2: it's not oh, in, the cons- it's in the constitution
0: federalism sucks and we gotta change yeah it. We gotta do something anyways that. but that's Canada, another episode <laughs> state country Canada. So, okay. So Jeremy just said a really um, big statement, which I think it it's h- is hard to... for people, which is yeah. that Canada is a fake country. Um, and this has become a very common refrain, especially on the left, I would say among progressives, um, really trying to grapple with this history to say Canada is fake. And it really bothers people who are patriots, who think Canada is a great Country. You know, it's hard to hear that your country's fake. Um, But I think it is really worthwhile thinking about um, what this country, in quotation marks, actually is. That basically it was a business proposition um, by a big company um, to get as many resources as possible out of a territory that was already occupied by other people who were living here. Um, And basically it's developed in the same way since. And there's nothing really at the core of anything um canadian necessarily that's inherent that needs to exist that's you know um if it disappeared tomorrow the whole world would collapse that none of that's the case basically we're a bunch of companies in a trench coat is what the people will yeah, say about three mining Canada companies
2: be- in a trench coat
0: Exactly. And if you really want to understand how Canada is currently doing all of this work, take a look to Latin America um, and our mining interests in Latin America and how the same sort of policies and principles that were used in Canada in the 1700s are being used in um, in Central America and South America to exploit resources as much as possible. Jeez, we're you really know.
1: good at teaching the world how to be pieces of shit.
0: Well, and yeah. we're actually doing that. It's not even we taught them to be pieces of shit. It's our companies actually going down and stealing all of their resources uh, I, I and, and want, doing terrible uh, things. Yeah,
2: and I wonder if that has anything to do, and I'm sure it doesn't, with um, our support for attempted coups in Venezuela and successful coups
1: in Haiti and Completely Honduras. unrelated, Jeremy. Yeah, I
0: mean, look at Bolivia as a perfect example of how none of this could possibly be related, where Bolivia has one of the largest supplies of the minerals needed for these new uh, Teslas and other um, sorts of technologies, um, and then suddenly there's a coup. I, You know, weird that that might happen. And, you know, these are the things we have to look at is how we are exporting these values as well. And I really, I mean, I know we're we're going to cut it off here soon. I think we we probably should, but I want to encourage everybody, if you're interested in learning more, there's a really great book out there by Tyler Shipley called Canada and the World, um, and basically what he does is he tracks how this kind of colonial capitalist system that was brought to Canada from the very beginning has influenced our internal but mostly our external relationships around the world and, and really is a more critical look at at Canada than this this story that we've been told from our our childhood about how it's this great place that was peaceful and loving and welcomed everybody and and really was a, a moral force in the world.
1: Well, and we just
2: talked. Yeah, about I I territory. have that book. Um, haven't read it yet, but um, I have it, and it's on a bookshelf. Uh, it looks great. Yeah, it's on my this- room
1: is really coming together.
2: <laughs> yeah uh don't ask how many of the books behind me i've read probably about half um, that's
1: better than i would have had done
2: yeah or like 40 percent. i don't know that i'm just spitballing but um
0: maybe it's time for a forgotten corner book club where we actually read these books and we then i force you to actually read them we and we talk about
1: them. we should them. let's do off the off shipley we'll book like but we'll do like book reviews on the show Love it. We can that. bring
0: in the authors to talk about it. We could totally do. We this. should get right.
1: Shipley on the show. That would be.
0: He'd come for sure.
1: Yeah, um,
2: like, I, I, basically... I kind of know him.
1: Just as we're wrapping up here, you were just some of the things we're talking about, like the fake cannon and stuff like that. These are more things that, like you said, it pisses people off, and they get gets, and that some of these conversation stoppers are the are sort of reasons why we should start conversations. Like they're they're the thing that makes people annoyed. Well, then why? What is it about that? That's that's really the the cause of that. Like, what are they hang? Why are they so defensive about it? It's because they deep down they know it's it's a, it's an accurate thing to say that we we did steal to get to where we are. We fucking pillaged to get to where we are. And so like an, an acknowledge, there's nothing like an acknowledgement of that is just facing reality. Like that has nothing to do with morals. You're not even being like morally sound. You're just f- facing literal truth. That's what, that's what happened. And so we, when we had Moscow up on a couple of weeks ago, right. we We were talking about like, the history of our state has not been good. But that doesn't mean that there aren't ways to utilize the state to create a proper society. Like, we're not suggesting that all the settlers just get up and fly to the moon or something like that. But we have to acknowledge that this is stolen land. We have to acknowledge that and make like reconciliation with that, with the people that we did that to before we can move forward. And together as, as, as a society, we could build a society that's good for everyone. We really can do that. But it starts with acknowledging that we've never tried and and it's never been about that and canada just isn't the peace loving it's it just isn't and it's okay to acknowledge that because it's the truth that's very important jeremy any final words
2: uh well Just, I, I guess I would I, I would generally conclude by saying that Canada's not the country we've been raised to uh, believe it to be, and that we need to um, put pressure on our elected leaders to make it so we have a elementary school curriculum that does better than what you were raised with and what I was raised with which you know it sounds like it wasn't wasn't much of an improvement on what you were learning in elementary school you know uh, I don't want to make you feel old but no
1: no it's okay uh, I am old
2: 10 years before me Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, the, I, I, I would also emphasize that the new Alberta curriculum in particular uh, needs to be, uh, in the words of Jason Kenny, put through the shredder, as he said about the past curriculum, which would have been an, an improvement, maybe not as much as it should have been, but by the standards we have now.
1: Um, you know, we can't, we up, can't right? just
2: teach kids about residential schools starting grade five. Like,
1: not now we can't. I mean, not, yeah, and I not mean, now that their own age group is being found under the desk that they're learning in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, yeah, you, there's kids buried under you or you know, that were possibly like, we can't yeah. wait to teach about and, that.
2: Anymore. I mean, I was, you know, my, my grandmother uh, was a Holocaust survivor. So I I was taught about the Holocaust from, uh w- since since I can remember probably forever. And I mean, yeah, I'm kind of fucked up, but, uh, that's not why.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a great last line for you. Uh, Roberta final thoughts before we wrap up today.
0: I mean, I think you said it really, really well, Scott, which is just that we have to, we have to deal with this. We have to acknowledge it and we have to grapple with it. And what that means is that every single one of us who lives in Canada um, has to figure out where our responsibility in this lies and to figure out how to work on moving forward. And I know people, are resistant to it because it's difficult. It's scary to think what that means. But nobody's telling us that we have to go back to where we came from other than the same racists who are telling Indigenous peoples that they don't deserve to live. People, Indigenous peoples aren't telling us we have to leave. In fact, they are welcoming, kind, very wonderful communities and cultures they that in fact us. welcomed <laughs> us originally and that might have been the first mistake. Um, but the reality is we have to do the work to move forward. And that means addressing really difficult issues. And it means acknowledging that some of our heroes are not perfect. It means acknowledging that the history that we've been taught might not be exactly right. And it means acknowledging that we've all benefited in some way or another from this and have to figure out our own ways of moving forward, not in a personal way, but in a structural way of, of solving this problem.
2: Yeah, and change the names of fucking schools. Like, it's not the names.
0: Do the basic things. Like, there's some really, really easy things that can be done i mean i was talking about the big changes there's some really easy things we can start with change the names of schools pull down statues of john a mcdonald and ryerson and all those fuckers start um pay the money to excavate every single residential school to find these graves because they're going to be at every single residential school and get fucking clean water to resident uh, to reserves like right these are how, many, really how basic, many uh
2: how basic. many basic <laughs> boil water advisories are there still like 30 50 i think dozen. it's like
0: like eighty something, so I'd have to 70? fact check the number. It's a lot.
2: It's a yeah, lot. Yeah, I mean the the federal government changing. has has re- Well, yeah, that's thing because the advisories you know come and go, but I, I mean the federal government has made some progress on that. But they promised to end all of them, and uh, again, as 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 me observed, if that were happening in Calgary or Vancouver or Toronto or Montreal.
1: it it just wouldn't right like Like, to even talk
2: about that is absurd
1: even pick a podunk town in the middle of fucking nowhere like yeah like yeah that's right but if it was like foremost alberta like if there was a hundred white people somewhere in alberta without drinking water it would be over right away i mean yeah there's been some places that had some lengthy boil water advisories or whatever but like nothing like like, not decades no nothing like this this. it it would never be allowed
0: I guess my final point that I would like to make is that I'm really sick of people in power claiming that they don't have the power to do anything because jurisdiction You, they have the power to make a difference and it's time to fucking stand up and do it Um, and stop claiming jurisdiction. It's time to just, if you have power, do something about it. Um, Use it in a positive way and stop claiming you can't do anything about it because they promised boil water advisories would be over and to claim they can't do it is ridiculous. Um, They can do it. They're building pipelines to nowhere. They can fucking clean up water. It's fine. It's not hard.
1: Enough with the symbolic bullshit, right? Like do something real. Stop luring
0: flags, clean up the water. Somebody
1: said recently statues are not fucking history, but tearing them down could be. And that—that's a really good thing. You're not erasing history. You're fucking making history by doing that. Yeah, Do and that
2: I, I will say, uh, in, in with regards to that uh, answer to a reporter's question that the National Post uh, printed in full as an op-ed that they put on their front page because they're a very serious newspaper. Um, he says, Well, if you cancel John A. McDonald, you have to cancel everyone. And I say, Yeah, sure. Let's do, let's it. do it. Let's get Wilfred Laurier, uh <laughs> Tommy Douglas, uh the fuck them all. Fuck them all. Let's let's I mean, let's learn from the good and bad they did right like no one's saying that medicare is bad because tommy douglas believed in eugenics it means we shouldn't venerate these people because they were people who were part of systems that did irreparable damage to vulnerable people and you know it's not i don't think it's hard it shouldn't be hard to separate that and just simply like why do we have people on money like just put fucking i don't know beavers in like animals a maple and stuff. Leaf
1: or whatever yeah i don't even if like who fucking cares why do you gotta have a dude
2: yeah it's makes no sense like it, it crumbles under the slightest scrutiny
0: well, and I think, I mean, not to open up a whole different can of worms, but it, it shows a lot of our individualistic culture, right, that we are very much focused on individuals and what they do, um, where, you know, I'm a social historian and a socialist, because I don't think the individual is actually the key person in all of this, or the key movement in all of this, that there are bigger structures and systems in place that we need to understand and analyze. And so like, yeah, John A. McDonald is a complex human being. We're all complex human beings. We have good things. We have bad things. Um, but to say that he's a hero in any way is ridiculous. He didn't create Canada. He, among a whole bunch of other people for a whole bunch of different reasons, for all sorts of different pressure points, created this thing that we call canada like it's it's fine to pull him out of the story and we're still gonna exist we should have
1: done that fucking we should have done that well, goddamn but... uh heritage minute one from back in the day where the where the indigenous man points to a village and says Canada, canada and that's the that's the whole like we should have done a few of those you, you mentioned doing some of those but some of those heritage minutes are just anyway yeah there's an idea the for the other podcast that, yeah, is we, a, that is a good posture. Yeah. We, we do. We, we got to run. It's 11. Yeah. Uh, we'll let everybody go. Um, thank you, Roberta, for coming, talking to us about this stuff. I think we'll pick this up again the next time. Uh, this is a good conversation. I think we. Sh- this is part of, like, we we do at this show, which is imagine a better future. Fucking uh, accept the shitbag past, you guys. It's okay. It doesn't mean, like, you know what I mean? You can still. Wave your flag if you need to. You know what I mean. Like if it's a big deal to you, to like you really get excited when Team Canada plays hockey or whatever. Like keep doing that stuff. That's okay. But it, it just acknowledge the fact that we didn't get here through goddamn uh, uh, by having a party. Okay, we we were shitty about it, and that's the end of it. Anyway, it's a time in the show where we want to thank those of our patrons who go way above and beyond everything we could hope for. Nicola di Nicola. Dave Bond Miller, Chris Durwold, we really appreciate everything you guys do to the other patrons and listeners. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, really humbles us. I'm going to plan a couple little things for the summer here, I think, but we're going to talk about that in the next week. So um, yeah, Roberta, thanks for coming. Jeremy, thanks for being here twice today. Mo, thanks for editing two episodes for me. I love all you guys. I miss everybody. We'll see you next week.
2: Bye-bye.
0: Bye.